Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. The water that we drank on the trail came from somewhere up above. And the water that we have to offer is more than just good advice. The water that we have to offer here is more than just something that will get you a little further down the trail. We don't make this stuff up. But what we have here originates from somewhere up above. Amen. It was paid on a cross called Calvary. And the Holy Ghost is real. And the Holy Ghost will fill you. And the Holy Ghost will sustain you. got to be able to see through the eyes of God everything that is around us spiritual vision is for our benefit to help us see pitfalls to help us see spiritual warfare to help us separate the truth from lies but most importantly God gives us vision so that we can see people we don't see them as problems we see them as potentials Anybody that walks through the doors, no matter where they came from, is worth investing in their soul. And that takes vision to see it. It means it's not a, a given. It's not a for sure thing. Not every place where people are gathered together today is the Lord's name being lifted high. But he said, if I be lifted high, that's where I'll draw all men unto me. You can go to a baseball game and they're lifting a lot of people's names up. They're giving a lot of glory to just mere human beings. And there's a lot of praise that's handed out and given. And some of it is noteworthy. I mean, there's some talent that's out there. But people are drawn to where people are praised. Let it never be said that anything other than Jesus Christ is praised from the tops of the rafters of this church because we want people to be drawn to where Jesus is at. I want them to come in and feel his presence in this place. Would you clap your hands to the Lord today? Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I got to tell you, it touched me this morning to see Brother Charlie Jones walk up here in pain today, just having surgery a short time ago. And uh, you may not know all the details, I do. And uh, it takes quite a man to have to, to be able to be here today with what he's gone through. But you know what? Some people just, they just can't wait to be back into the presence of the Lord again. And I'm glad we have folks that are here today that feel that way. Grab your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 16, verse 9. And uh, while you're turning to Acts 16 and 9, let me just kind of set it up for you a little bit. There's a lot happening very quickly in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the only historical book that we have about the New Testament church, how they operated, and how it was set up, how it, where it all began. And uh, you see a lot of different names that are involved, a lot of things happening seemingly very quickly, and that's what's taking place leading up to the scripture that I've asked you to turn to today. Paul and Barnabas uh, at this point have just gone their separate ways, and the Gentiles are receiving the Holy Ghost, and which makes even the Jewish church happy. They're, they're, they're happy about this, the New Testament church 
Now Paul is watching as the Spirit is closing some doors of ministry to him. Just prior to where I'm going to read to you, you'll see where Paul and his entourage of people that are traveling with him. Uh, I think it must have been their plan to take the gospel down into Asia. But the Bible talks about how they were not able to go into Asia. The spirit of Jesus blocked them, stopped them. So they tried to go into Mysia. And once again, you will find where the Lord stopped them from going into that area. But we pick up in verse number 9 in the book of Acts, chapter 16. God does begin to speak in a vision at this point to Paul. And that's where we'll begin our reading today. Acts 16 and 9 tells us that a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him or begged Paul, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately, somebody say immediately. Immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. It was very obvious to Paul and his traveling companions that the vision was a mandate from God. It was a calling from God to take the gospel to Macedonia. They thought about Asia. They thought about Mysia. But the Lord had spoke to them and blocked them from going there. You know, when you've got a call on your life, it, it, it's, it's hard. You just want everybody to know about Jesus Christ. You just want everybody to know about the change that he's made in you. You want everybody to hear the same message that brought you out of drugs or brought you out of alcohol, or put your marriage back together, lifted that sinful state out of your life and set you on a straight and narrow and left you feeling guiltless and blameless and spotless. You want everybody to feel the same way that you feel. But God sometimes has specific places that he wants you to be in. And therefore, there are times when God will block you from places that you think you might want to go. Don't ever try to kick down a door that God has shut. You'll not find where Paul said, God, I don't care what you say. You'll not find where Paul said, you know what? It's hard and, and it doesn't seem to be working out, but we're just gonna keep on. He didn't waste his time in a place where God told him no. He didn't waste his time and his efforts in a place where God spoke to him and blocked him from going. Don't try to kick down a door because you'll miss the vision and the calling of where God really desires you to be if you do. This church has a vision. This church has a calling. I can so relate to this this morning because we have tried everything within our power. Church swaps, land purchases, all kinds of things, and God has simply said no. 
and we've said, okay, God. But I believe God is taking us forward this year. I don't believe that what Brother Christian has said by accident, but I believe that he has set up this lesson so very clearly for us today. I want to preach to you as quickly as I possibly can. Visions and callings. Visions and callings. You may be seated today. Amen. Let's give all of our visitors a hand clap of welcome in this place today. We're glad that you're here. Amen. So very thankful that you've shared a Sunday morning with us. Amen. Pray and trusting that you're feeling the presence of the Lord. Um, it was just a, a little over a year ago that um, I received a new appointment uh, to a different job. But before that, I was a North American missions director for a while. Uh, been called on to do something else. And so I had to give that position up. But, but I, I have to say a part of my heart was left behind in North American missions. And if you don't know what North American missions is, this church gives very liberally to uh, the cause of North American missions, but it's where we, we start church plants. And we all like to talk about church plants. I have a, a heart to see uh, churches planted in North America. I believe that, that Africa needs churches. I believe that Asia needs churches. I believe that there's countries all around the world that, that need the gospel message. But, but I also believe that, that right here in our own backyard, we have places that have yet to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ places that have yet to have an established church and so with that in mind I, I, I took that job very seriously and I, I uh, dove into it and began to uh, take part in it and had a burden for it and we all love to hear the stories about how somebody is called to an area and we could go on and on, and North American Missions has helped many countless numbers of churches right here in our own state, as a matter of fact, be established. And now we have some very uh, thriving churches where a few years ago there was no church at all. People are baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, living, overcoming lives in areas that at one point had no church that was established and preaching the full gospel message, but because of somebody uh, feeling the call somebody having a vision now there is a place of refuge in those cities and I for one am very thankful for men that are willing to answer the call and go into the mission field whether it be in a foreign country or right here in our own backyard there are many names that I could bring to you but but the one that kind of struck me uh, uh, that I felt like talking to you about today some of you will relate to him. Some of you know him because he spoke at our youth convention just a few years ago. As a matter of fact, he's brother to our now uh, Illinois youth uh, uh, president, uh, Brother David Brown. Uh, and the man I'm talking about is, is his brother, Mark Brown. Mark Brown uh, felt the call not too long after uh, graduating from Bible college. And God called him to a place and his family to a place in South Dakota. And I know, I, I put myself in, in those shoes, you know. I, I know what it's like to, to feel a call on, a light, on our life. Uh, I know what it's like to, to get up and, and leave the comforts of home, the comforts of a, an established place, and, and come to a place uh, where, where there's very little to offer to move away from, from family and established friends. I know what that's like, but, but it was nothing like South Dakota in my mind. You know, I, I thought being called to Sparta is a, is a breeze compared to being called to South Dakota. I mean, if God were to call me, 
me someplace, I would say, Lord, uh, that's fine. Just make it like Southern California or, you know, some warm little climate down in Florida. If you're wanting me to, you know, at least if nothing is happening, we can go down and walk along the beach and, and, and kick our feet around in the water a little bit and live in a, in a beautiful place. But, but, uh, but South Dakota, God, really? I mean, South Dakota? Watertown, South Dakota. But there's something about when God gives you a vision and it is connected with a calling that it doesn't matter what you may face. It doesn't matter what hardships are there. It doesn't matter if it even makes sense. There's something about that vision and that calling that will not let you be. It will not let you alone. Mark Brown was dealing with that calling in his life. He didn't send him to a place that had dozens of churches. I began to look through our, our directory last night as I was kind of putting this message together. And I looked at the, our, our, our Illinois page. And man, we have like five or six pages full of churches that you can go to in the state of Illinois. You know, there, there's churches all over and we still don't have nearly enough. But, but by and large, when you begin to compare that, and I looked at Oklahoma and I looked at these different places, North Carolina, and then I flipped over to little bitty South Dakota to see how many churches were in South Dakota. And including the, the one that Mark Brown has established, there are now eight churches, not in the county that Mark Brown is pastoring in, in the entire state of South Dakota. You know, it's not always easy to answer the call of God when God begins to take you to some place that doesn't seem so convenient. It's not it's always so easy to go someplace where it's not what you dreamed it would be. Uh, Mark Brown, if you ever listened to him, the man can flat out preach. He is a preacher's preacher. He's preached at youth conventions. He's preached at our general conference. It's not that the man does not have ability. He probably could have gone to any one of these larger churches around and established himself as an assistant or an associate. And one day, one day just kind of walked on into the pastorate. But God said, I don't want you there. I want to close those doors to you. I want you to go to South Dakota and establish a church there. So being the caliber of man that he was, instead of trying to kick down a door that God had shut, he said, okay. Now, there's something about a vision and a calling that's kind of exciting. And I have to admit, there, there was a day, uh, you know, that my wife and I, we, we would be sitting on our front porch and, uh, before on Sunday mornings, typically on, on nice, warm uh, summer and, and uh, spring, fall days. And uh, our church didn't start till 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So we'd be out on the front porch by 7, 30, 8 o'clock drinking coffee and just talking about the day and, and feeling the call of the Lord, not knowing exactly where God was trying to take us. I, I know that there, uh, there's a little bit of excitement excitement that comes along with having that vision and have that calling and it doesn't go it kind of goes against your your carnal grain when you're sitting there and you're already established in a place and it's comfortable there and, and everything seems to be going all right but that there's something about talking about where God may take you and not really knowing where it is that will establish an excitement and an enthusiasm inside of a man of God 
In your mind, you're thinking, well, if God's calling me there, God's going to take care of everything that we need. If God's calling me there, it must be for a great revival. But I'm here to tell somebody today that sometimes the revival doesn't come overnight. Sometimes there's some doors that God shuts in your life in order to get you in a place where it may not be so convenient, but where God desires you to be. What I love about the story of Paul, it, it says that the vision came in the night. Paul didn't say, hey, fellas, tomorrow morning pack your stuff, and after we eat breakfast, we're going to take off and head to Macedonia. He didn't say, as soon as we're finished doing what we're doing here. No, the Bible says that immediately. It's not convenient to pack your stuff in the middle of the night and take off following after a vision and a call. But Paul, Paul understood the importance. I don't think he could get out of his mind the look of the man, the Macedonian man that, that was begging and pleading, we need you here. We need you here. I wonder who's in your school today. I wonder who's going to be in your classroom tomorrow. I wonder if God would put a vision and a calling in some of our young, some of our young people's minds and in their hearts where in the middle of the night, God would give you a vision and a calling. It may not be to step behind a pulpit, but it may be just to go up to somebody that's hurting. I would to God that God would put a burden on every one of us hearts that we would not be able to shut away the picture in our mind of the people who are lost that need what we have. But the vision can sometimes get the wind knocked out of it with the reality of the work and the sacrifice that's involved. It's easy to get excited in a church service where the Lord is moving, in a convention or gathering of people where everybody's Moving in the same direction. It's easy when the preacher says, I want to know who will help me pray to raise our hand. It's easy to, to in our mind, uh, to think of how we're going to go out and we're going to win the loss. But the reality of it is, is it's not so easy. Brother Brown packs his belongings and his family he heads out to South Dakota. I spoke to him on the phone uh, a while back, and he was telling me the story about how it all started. And he kind of walked me through the process a little bit. He said, we came here with nothing. Started looking for a place. He said, the only place we could find, he said, it wasn't a place that you could that you could tell people oh, when they ask you, well, where is your church? It wasn't like, oh, you know, the nice crystal cathedral up on the hill, you know, he, he said it was a place that was embarrassing. He said it was a place that was run down. He said the water came up around the doors, and and he said it wasn't any kind of a place that that you would be proud to to say that's my church, that's where I attend. And he said we started out and things didn't go so good. And you know, like I said, the guy he was used to preaching at, at conferences and and conventions, and and the crowd were with him because he was around like-minded people. He 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 recognized success, and he was recognized as successful. But now he was in a place that God. God had called him where it seemed like nobody really cared how good he could preach or what he had to say. 
And one year went by and nothing really happened. And two years went by and nothing really happened. And, and the thing just kept uh, falling apart. And, and uh, the stress was there. The stress that he dealt with with his church. The stress that he dealt with with his family and his relationships. But even though the call sometimes became faint, the vision kept him pushing forward another day. The vision would not allow him to give up and walk away because he knew that he had heard from the Lord and he wasn't willing to give up. It's in this ratty run down building that nobody wanted to visit. Everything was going wrong and he just wanted to quit. That's what he said. There are times when you may feel like God is wasting your time. There might be times in your life where you feel like God has missed it or you've missed him. But I want you to hold on to the vision and the call that God places on your heart and on your spirit because it's not a myth. It's not a myth. When God speaks to you and when God opens the door and when God talks to you, it's not time to second question God. It's not time to look for another door or beat something else down. God's not wasting your time. The vision he gave you isn't a myth. It's a reality, but it is a reality that is only brought forth by faithfulness. When he wanted to quit, he kept on. Something happened when he decided he wasn't running. Here's a little tidbit for you. God doesn't usually see how you're going to handle success until he first sees how you'll handle defeat. Everybody follow me on that? Don't expect God to give you everything until he sees how you've treated something small. That's a biblical principle. If you're faithful in the little things, God will make you a ruler over larger things. He's not going to hand you a thousand dollars until he first sees how you're going to handle ten dollars. If you won't pay tithes on ten dollars, you're not going to pay tithes on a thousand dollars. Amen? If you won't take care of a small little thing where nobody's seeming to look for it, nobody's going to pat you on the back, God is not going to bless you with some kind of greater thing where everybody's going to see that you're doing something for him. We've got to be faithful and God will take us into a place when we do the small things and we're faithful in the small things. God will reward us with greater things with him if we are faithful. I pulled up just this morning, Mark Brown's church building. He's no longer in a little ratty building anymore. He's got a building that he couldn't afford. He told me one day, he said, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. And that church, they wanted so much more than what we could afford. He said, but I went and talked to him anyway. I looked him in the eye and he said, this needs to be our place. And they said, how much money do you have? They laughed at him. They didn't think that he would be able to do anything. But let me tell you, he's pastoring that church today. And they're having record-breaking services, record-breaking attendances. Because he wasn't willing to give up on the vision and the call that God had brought him to Watertown for a revival that was unprecedented. My point is this. 
the ministry in Watertown did not start when the Browns moved to Watertown. It didn't start when they won their first convert or baptized their first person in Jesus' name. No, that's not when, that's not when it starts. Amen. That's not when it starts at all. That's just the combination. That's just, that's just the after effects of, of what took place a long time ago, probably in a little prayer meeting someplace where nobody else was around when God took a young man fresh out of Bible school that didn't know too much about anything, but he said, I'm going to take you to a place and uh, to, in order to get you there, I'm going to give you a vision that's attached to an calling that's where it all starts my friend and even though it may take you a while to get to the end of that it may take you a while to get to the results of that vision and that calling this church has a vision and this church has a calling we've been told no before we've had doors shut in our face before but I promise you this God has something great for Landmark Apostolic Church and when it affects us in a great way it's going to affect the entire region in a great way don't give up on the vision don't give up on the call a few years back my wife and I we were in Tennessee it was about 7 years ago now it was on our 25th wedding anniversary we came back from a, uh, spending a little time in Florida and stopped back through the, the Carolinas and planted ourselves in the hills of Tennessee for just a couple more days before we headed back home. We decided we were going to take a hike. We had a uh, waterfall that we wanted to see. And uh, so we grabbed a bottle of water. It seemed like a good-sized bottle of water at the time. We very quickly ran through that water. You know how you get so far, it's like, okay, now we're too far to turn back. We might as well go the rest of the way. Mistake. <laughs> it, was, it was rough. I don't know if anybody's ever been out to Abrams Falls. Anybody ever walked that? that I think it's about a five-mile hike to get there, to get out to Abrams Falls. It's, it's in Gatlinburg area, Sevierville, Tennessee. <clears throat> don't let anybody tell you that the falls are worth seeing for that long of a hike. We ran out of water about the time we got down there, and uh, so we were getting very thirsty on our way back. It was starting to get a little bit dark. I didn't think it'd take us that long, but it was a much rougher hike than what I expected it to be. And so I decided we'd take a chance, and the whole trail follows the river that comes down off the mountain. And so not really a river, stream, whatever. It's bigger than a creek, but it's... You know, just a beautiful crystal clear water coming down off that mountain. So I decided I was going to take that bottle. And I took that bottle and I dipped it down into the water and I filled that water bottle up. And I said, well, here goes nothing. And I took the first swig to make sure it wasn't poisonous. <laughs> Actually, if anybody's going to get sick, I wanted to be me. I, I wanted her to have to carry me out of the woods, not... We drank that water. That water saved us. Now, we, we probably would have made it back okay, but, I mean, it, it was so refreshing. It was so good, and it tasted so good, and we didn't get sick at all. It was so good, in fact, that we saved. We didn't pour it out once we got back and got to where we'd get tap water or bottled water. We saved that water till the next day and drank it the next day, too. It tasted so good. 
What we enjoyed at that moment dawned on me later that it had come from a higher place. It originated from somewhere up above us. I want to just speak to the church for a minute here. Because that kind of applies to what I feel like we are. We are a place where people come in and they're thirsty. People have been worn down and they're, they've been on this trail and they, they, they've gotten themselves into a place where they thought it, it would be worth, it would be worth looking at, but it come to find out it left them with disappointment. And now they're trying to find their way back, but on their way back, they've kind of run out of water. They've run out, run out of energy and they're, the, 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 the sun is going down, and, and then all of a sudden they walk into a place like this church. And, and when they walk into a place like this church, the reason that is so important is what we have doesn't originate here. The water that we drank on the trail came from somewhere up above. And the water that we have to offer is more than just good advice. The water that we have to offer here is more than just something that will get you a little further down the trail. We don't make this stuff up. But what we have here originates from somewhere up above. Amen. It was paid on a cross called Calvary. And the Holy Ghost is real. And the Holy Ghost will fill you. And the Holy Ghost will sustain you. That's why it's so important for us to understand the role of uh, who we are as the church in our city. Because if we ever get to the place where we dry up, if the brook dries up, then we must catch the vision and respond to the need or the whole mountain will be affected. Every traveler will have trouble. This is where his presence emanates. The Bible says, if any man thirsts, let him come. He's talking about the weary. He's talking about the broken. He's talking about the hurting. We've got to be able to see through the eyes of God everything that is around us. Spiritual vision is for our benefit to help us see pitfalls, to help us see spiritual warfare, to help us separate the truth from lies. But most importantly, God gives us vision so that we can see people. We don't see them as problems. We see them as potentials. Anybody that walks through the doors, no matter where they came from, is worth investing in their soul. And that takes vision to see it. Proverbs 29:18, some of you probably already had it roll through your mind, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people perish. It's nighttime and all of a sudden Paul sees something he's never seen before. He's looking at a face that he doesn't recognize. It's a man from Macedonia. Somehow he recognizes where the man is from. I don't know if it's just, he just knew. You know how in a dream sometimes it's like, I've never, I don't recognize that person, but I know that that was so-and-so's sister. It's just kind of weird the way dreams work. This vision, somehow he knew that this man was from Macedonia. Maybe it was the way that he looked. Uh, maybe it was a, a, a certain... Uh, 
the way he spoke, I don't know what it was, but Paul understood this man was from Macedonia, and he's standing before him pleading for help. And the Bible tells us that they immediately began their trip from Macedonia. Verse 11 tells us that before they could go, first they had to be loosed from Troas. If you're ever going to get to where God is trying to get you to go, there are certain things that you've got to let go of. You're never going to be able to be exactly where God wants to be and have it in one hand if you're still holding on to Troas in the other. Paul could not remain where he was and still reach out and go where God desired him to be. There were people that needed him in Macedonia. We have to be loose from traditions. We have to be loose from fear. We've got to be loose from worldliness. We've got to be loose from complacencies. If there's one thing that I have noticed in myself and in other people, satisfied, comfortable people tend not to move. I am 51 years old, and it took me to my 50th year before I ever got a reclining, a real, like a man's, you know, an ugly chair is. Yeah, I mean, just, I'm not talking about, now we've always had nice, a nice chair. My wife bought me a real nice chair years ago. This beautiful emerald green, about the color of this carpet back when that was in. It, it was it was it was it was nice. It was nice for what it was. But but I have always wanted a man's chair. You know what I'm talking about? The big ugly where you can just I finally got my man's chair. It's not really that ugly either. I mean it kinda it kinda looks nice sitting there. And I I got in that chair and and here's the problem with me when I get in that chair. My wife, I'll come home from work sometimes, and she'll say, honey, you, you want me to get you something to eat? And I, and I might be really hungry, but if I've got stuff to do, here's the problem. If I stop and I eat and I sit down in that chair, I'm done. It's over. I don't care how important it is. Well, honey, so-and-so had a heart attack. Tell him I'll be there when I wake up. Your mama's fallen. She can't get up. <laughs> send Brother Jones. Send Brother England. <laughs> okay, maybe not quite that bad. But I think most of you can relate, especially if you're getting around my age. It was just like, I'm just comfortable. I can't move. She'll say, honey, why don't you come on to bed? I say, I am in bed. <laughs> Three or four o'clock in the morning, I finally get up and I'll get out of that Comfortable people tend to stay put. I'm not talking about contentment. Contentment with the godliness is a great gain. But there's something about when we become spiritually comfortable that we tend not to reach out to, to anybody anymore. That just gets a little too messy. That, that just a little take, takes up a little bit too much of my time. Let me tell you something. I don't want God to ever let me get so comfortable that I won't reach out to somebody that's looking for him and help them get to where they need to be. God, give me the vision. God, give me, give me what I need. Give me the commitment that I need to care about people enough that they inconvenience me and it doesn't matter because nothing matters more than that soul. Don't let that face 
flesh ever get out of my mind, let it stay right there in front of me, that I will immediately tend to that soul that is searching for truth. That's why altar call can sometimes be draining. I know it's not easy. I know it's not comfortable. But when somebody's in the altar, this church ought to be the first ones right around them, surrounding them. You don't have to lay your hands upon them. Some people don't want their hands laid upon them. But when you come up and you begin to support them in prayer, when your mind is on them, when you get their face in your mind and you begin to pray for them, amen, God can immediately begin to lose. And the gospel can begin to take effect in somebody's life that needs him. I want God to use Use us. Don't you want God to use you? Where music come today? God, don't let me get complacent. It's easy to do. It's easy to look around and say, you know what? This place is paid off. We don't have... We don't have a lot of big bills here. It's easy to look around saying, you know what? This place is full. Anybody in their right mind that walked through this door would come in and say, hey, this church has got it going on. You know, there's hardly a a seat that's open. This place is full. But there's more souls. There's a vision. There's a call. They cannot be ignored. Would you stand with me today? I'm not looking to upset anybody. Really what I've just come to do today is just remind us to stay focused. To love people. To be able to be inconvenienced at time instead of being so rigid so rigid that we don't have time for somebody that's sincerely begging for somebody to show them the way for in him we live and move and have our being we exist to be active in him I watched a video that somebody sent me. Brother Hogan actually sent it to me the other day, a YouTube video about this company in Wisconsin. I have the video if anybody would like to see it, but it's just another reminder of how close we are. It's this company that's microchipping its employees. They're making a big deal out of it. It's going to be a big deal. It's It's coming taking those microchips and you don't have to have your credit card anymore to go up and swipe at the vending machine. You just put your hand up and it reads that microchip that's placed in your hand. Get access to the building. You don't have to swipe your card anymore. Keep a card around your neck. That's very close to me because I have a I have an employee identification card that's right on an armband on my arm. That's how I clock in and I clock out every single day. I don't, I don't punch a time card. I just put that card up there and it reads it. 
reach that little chip that's in that card and they're going to take that chip out of that card and they're going to start putting it in people's hands. It's my fear that sometimes we've heard preaching so long that it's lost its effectiveness on us. But there are sincerely people all over this city today that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's people in this room today that need the Holy Ghost. Now, I haven't had breakfast either, either, so I'm a little hungry myself. But I wonder if you'd bow your heads today. I'm just going to ask those that, that would. If you'd make your way up to the front or gather in here. Maybe it's been a while since the Lord, Lord has put a burden on your heart for somebody. Maybe you were really excited and they showed a little, oh, they showed a little enthusiasm the first time you spoke to them about, Lord, about the Lord. Maybe they even came and they got baptized, but somewhere along the way, they've kind of gotten lost. Would you just ask the Lord to place their face in your mind again? God, give me that vision. Help me accept that calling, Lord. Not everybody stands behind a pulpit, but everyone ministers. Everyone's called to be a preacher. Everyone's called to carry the gospel message. I wonder if you would have the courage today to get out from where you're standing and walk up to this altar simply ask the Lord to let you see their face again to remind you of the vision that you once had maybe it's about your own life about where you want to be and where you're at right now and they're two separate places you feel like God has shut so many doors that surely you're trapped where you're at I've come to tell you that's not the case. But God will speak to you. And when he does, you need to be ready to respond immediately to the sound of his voice. Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.